season where is one of the highlights of the uh, the church, and um, we celebrate the Christ's nativity, his birth, his, and we preach and teach, and and so it really be thinking about uh, a time that it might be uh, useful in the church's life would be this time of year. All right, if you think about witnessing to people, talking to your family, you get together, you buy gifts, you. You celebrate, you eat lunch, dinner, whatever, you know, have this special meal together. It ought to be that if the subject of Christ comes up. Uh, I can remember when I first got saved, one of the things that we knew, uh, tradition that we started in our family was we read the Christmas story and in our before we ever uh, opened gifts and things like that. Uh, and, just, and, and then we did it a little more differently. Uh, it was... It wasn't a free-for-all. We, did, we used to hand out gifts to everybody, and then everybody just dove, dove in, you know. And uh, so we started handing out gifts. This time we kind of went one by one. Everyone opened one gift at a time and and enjoying what someone else got received as well as uh, the person that gave it. And, and just was a, a good time. Um, so it is, a, it is a time, and I, I hope that, that even though maybe I'm not considered a, a revival preacher, uh, that in, in the idea that being revived is, is bringing the idea of being kind of brought back to where we need to be. You look at this hymn in 343, uh, it really kind of, uh, if anything ought to revive us, uh, it ought to be the, the you know, the, the, I mean, we get kind of, we like to see the baby, we see the nativity uh, scenes in front of people's houses and many times in front of churches. And uh, we see the wise men, we see the sheep, the donkeys, the Mary and Joseph, and of course the uh, little manger with a uh, baby uh, in, in the manger. And then a lot of times we'll see Santa Claus beside him, but uh, beside the point. Um, but you look at this in 343, it says, We praise thee, O God, for the son of thy love. And that really, God so loved what? The world that he gave his only begotten son for the son of thy love for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Revive us. What? Again. So the, the idea there, the, that renewing of our hearts and renewing of our minds to be, uh, uh, I guess, reacquainted with some of the things that the Bible teaches. Verse two, it says. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of life. And that's where the truth comes from, isn't it? We have the word of God, but remember, what, what, does it, what does it take to be born again? The spirit and the what? The water, the word. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory, his only begotten of the Father, and who shown us our Savior and scattered our night. That means that, that, that night, that, uh, that hope that we didn't have is gone. And now we have a new hope that uh, is uh, eternal. And, of course, the chorus. Verse 3, all glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And good to be reminded of what, what a revival is about. That if we can be have a new hope. And the last verse is, Revive us again, fill each heart with one, by love. And that really is, is that motivation. I, I spent uh, a lot of time this morning, uh, I've been going over this idea of courtship, which is really not in the Scriptures, but the idea of betrothal. So 
So our young people, you know, trying to get them, and, and part of it is that they're not quite ready for that. And But I want them to know what the Bible says long before they get there. And they prepare their hearts even now. And I'm motivated and get, trying to study it and look on their own, ask questions. And I, I think this week they had some of them had things written down and were ready to go. But I spent some time just saying, listen, I want you to be motivated. I want you to be motivated by God to know the right thing and do the right thing. And the motivation for that is really the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That expression of his love is, is something that is not some kind of, well, I got saved and now it's over and now it's done. It's revived every morning and new every day. What he's done and what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish. May each soul be rekindled from fire from above. I, I pray that as we look at this, um, the, the, the message this morning, that you'll understand that the messages I've been I really believe God has given me are really revival messages. They're messages that I think are important that will, I think, be motivation for, motivational to rekindle that fire from above that uh, the Lord would have his way. So we're going to look a little bit at that this morning, and I hope that uh, the, the, I've brought up this message before, but it's one of these messages I just can't seem to get away from, is that <clears throat> there is, was a secret at that time about Christ and his nativity. Very important. We'll take a look in Luke chapter number two, as we look at that again this morning. That amazing secret that uh, was uh, brought knowledge to a few chosen people. Luke chapter number 2. Bear with us as we read these verses together. I would normally have you stand, but this is a little longer, so I'm just going to have you sit for this. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 1, It came to pass, in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. We know all about that. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which, has, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary as espoused wives, being great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch, over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. It came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All that, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of his child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when Jesus, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And the offer, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of Moses, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up, him up into his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace. According to thy word. For in mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared for before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser, and she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, and which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in, Israel, in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and filled with wisdom. The grace of God was upon him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. The Lord Jesus, <clears throat> you and your amazing grace that we've many have seen and experienced in our life, we just want to thank you again today. We want to praise you, dear God, for revealing yourself to us through your word and revealing unto us through the forgiveness of our sins and for the hope of tomorrow and for eternal life. 
We thank you, Father, for what you've done and are continuing to do even today. We ask, Father, that your blessing would be upon the preaching and the teaching. Lord, it would be, as the Bible speaks of, the power of God unto salvation. We pray for those that might be lost, Father, that are uncertain about salvation and only have a hope so, maybe so, uh, for eternal life. We pray that they might be saved. For others that, Father, need to be encouraged. Father, they'd sense your presence. They'd sense, Father, your will and acknowledge, Father, your love for them. I pray, Father, that you'd bless us as a church, that we'd be closely knit together for one purpose, to honor, to glorify you, and to do your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have here, it's probably as complete as I've ever read in one Sunday morning, this whole story of Christ's nativity. And you think about it, we... Probably in almost every corner of the world, this knowledge of this nativity somehow is known and is continuing to be spread. But at this time, it was very, very, the time of Christ was very few people had that knowledge. It was mentioned in the book of Micah about his coming to Bethlehem. And so there were very few people that were really very aware of, of this huge and momentous occasion. And in a real way, it was a secret. A secret that most people weren't aware of. Really, you think about it, it was only a select few. We read about a few of them this morning, both Mary and Joseph. We know in Matthew, as I preached out of there, I think a week or so ago, is the fact that wise men were aware of it. We know the shepherds were made aware. We knew the angels were given knowledge of it. We knew the prophets that prophesied of it were aware of it. And then we read this morning about Simeon and Anna. Even out of the book of Amos, there's things mentioned about the Christ coming in Isaiah. But for the most part, most most people were ignorant of this special occasion. You think about it, if if, if God so loved the world that somehow that knowledge would be for everybody. But in truth, it really wasn't. In truth, very, very few people knew about it. You say, how could such a thing be kept secret? Or why would God keep such a thing secret? Wouldn't there be some way, you think today, with all the <clears throat> smartphones and internet and news outlets that there are all over the place, and that somehow that news would be not only out there, but would be received. The trouble is, is that that secret of Christ's nativity was not just meant for a select few, as we read out of here this morning. It said that it was for to be for all people. God wanted it to be for everyone, not just for a select few. And listen, if you know as well as I do that God's will never changes. But the acknowledgement of this special occasion is still only to a select few. That really do want to appreciate and really do want to accept this special gift that God has. 
First of all, the gift of God is eternal life. That's what Christ's coming was all about. It wasn't just because we have this uh, uh, special uh, God-sent Son, but He was sent for one specific purpose. Because He said He was not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone in this world, either in the past or in the future, He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's the love of God. But the truth of the matter is that, 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 that most people don't even believe that hell exists. Until you understand that there is a, a hell and that there is a heaven, and those that refuse Christ or, or reject Christ in the sense that they do not receive them as, a, as their Savior, or don't see the need to receive Him as a Savior, those folks will be destined to a place that God has also created, a place called hell. So it was great news, wasn't it? The fact that it was looked for and promised throughout the Scriptures from the beginning of Genesis up until the time of Christ, it was really expected. It wasn't a surprise that Mary, to her anyway, that she was going to carry the Messiah. Totally unexpected in the sense that it was going to be her, but she knew that the, about the knowledge of that, and so did Joseph. And so did the <clears throat> shepherds, and so did the angels, and so did the prophets. But the idea that the secret is kept, it's kept for those that are consecrated and sanctified, first of all. You think about it, God wants everyone to really realize the blessing of the Lord Jesus coming. But the first blessing in receiving that is that you have to understand where you are in your relationship to God. There's two ways you are. Either you're saved, either you're a child of God, or you're not. It's not some middle ground where you're somewhere in between. You are either saved or you're a child of God. And the idea there is that you don't, if you're not sure of where you stand, then there needs to be a healthy fear. The very idea that, that when those angels and when the wise men came and, and they said, that, hey, listen, the, the anointed one, the promised one, the Messiah has come. And, and when, the, well, uh, uh, when the wise men went into Jerusalem and asked, where was this to be? And Herod said, well, I don't know, but I'll ask somebody that probably does know. And when the, when the, when the people that had knowledge of the Scriptures came to Herod and said, well, is he supposed to be born in Bethlehem or come out of Bethlehem of Judea? Were they excited? What was the emotion that they had? Fear. See, the idea there that the very first thing is the blessing of, 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 of realizing this secret is for you. Is to understand that you are, the, first of all, you've got to have a fear. And to utilize, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. See, fear of the Lord produces something in us. 
If you're afraid of something, it motivates you either not to do something or to do something, right? I mean, if you say, well, I fear that if I go through a red light, I could have a, I could T-bone another car or another car could T-bone me. And if that would happen, one of us might die. You say, well, you know, I'm motivated uh, uh, that I might be in an accident and I might kill somebody or they might kill me. I better pay attention to what? Red lights. Or you may be motivated another way. Well, hey, you know, they got these red light cameras and I heard that that they're nailing a lot of people for going through on a red light. And if I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid I don't have a, a hundred and fifty bucks or whatever it costs to pay for a ticket when they send it in the mail. It's got my picture and of my license plates on there and says, that's you. And you owe us one hundred fifty. Where am I going to get one hundred fifty dollars? And if I don't pay it, then they'll end up taking my license away and I won't have a way to drive. You are motivated by one. Fear. Fear is a godly thing when you have it in a right way and you use it in a right way. When when those uh, when Herod heard that, that the Christ child was to be born in Bethlehem and all of Jerusalem with him and he was probably there, uh, Herod was moved and feared that this guy was going to take over his position and he had all the children two years age and younger killed. Isn't that terrible? He was motivated, but he motivated the wrong way. You might come to church and say, well, I, I know I've got to come out to church at least for Christmas and Easter. I, I know I need to be here for that because, hey, you know, that's just the right thing to do. But then you get here and you say, man, I heard something about the gospel. I heard something about hell. And I heard, uh, and I say, you know, I really didn't feel all that good about that. You say, I don't think I want to come back. Is that the right way to use fear? Fear ought to motivate us to do what? Listen to me. If it's, the, if it's the fear of the Lord, it's going to motivate you to do the right thing. The fear of the Lord is going to motivate you to do what is right. And if you say you don't know what is right, you're going to pick up the book and say, what is the right thing to do? See, we have every Sunday... And I, I know some people kind of frown on this, and they think, well, you know, at the end of the service, they always have this time where you can come and you'll have an invitation. And if God has worked in your heart, you can come up and pray, or maybe you can ask, seek out some advice, and maybe somebody will show me what I need to know from the Bible every Sunday. Because God wants the preaching of the Word to motivate in you to do something, not just to sit there. Not just to come in and go out the same way you came in. He wants you to be motivated and say, listen, if I'm not saved, I need to get saved. If I'm not sure about my saving, I need to become a... Sh- I, I read, if you look in your book, hymn book. Turn open your hymn book to the last part of that. I was looking this morning and I was amazed at something. Look in the, look under the letter A. And if you go a little farther, that's a general index... You step back from the general index and you look under what they have topical index. Notice what the first first uh, topic is on. You might know what it is. Assurance. He wants assurance. Assurance is knowing for certain of what's going to happen. The idea that you say, I want to know what is going to happen. People say, well, I just hope it will all work out in the end. How many of you ever done something 
and you, uh, what is that thing they say? Well, uh, I assume. Ever assume something? How many have assumed something? And it, I tell you what, I quit assuming. Either I know or I don't know. I'm not going to assume something. I'm not going to assume I got enough money in the bank to write a check. How many have done that? Wasn't enough money there. Right? How many assume that uh, I, I, my wife knows where I'm going to be and, it, and you don't come home for three hours and get home? Wow, where have you been? I'm scared to death. I just assumed you knew where I was at. Now, Debbie never does that to me. Yeah, she did. So I don't want to assume about the most important thing in my life. Do you? Do you want to assume about that? You know, so I, I'm doing the best I can. God's going to look down from heaven and just look at me and say, well, God, you knew it. And that's going to work? How many of you think that's going to work? God, well, well, God, you know I did my best. You think God's going to look, say, oh, well, yeah, you're, you're just dumb by design. No, God made you smart enough to look and say, listen, if you had an uncertainty then you need to open the book and find out what it says. At minimum, you say, well, maybe I'll, I'll get pastor to come over to my house and sit down with me and say, hey, really, pastor, I, I've been assuming about salvation all my life. I really do want to know. How many of you think that's a smart move? You say, well, I'm not sure about pastor. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't look too smart. I'll get Glenn to do it. And even that's or maybe Hot or, or Brother Oscar. But somehow you're going to do something with this idea that you're not sure. Because you need to be sure. Right? You need to be sure. To have a certainty about where you're going to go when you die. You pastor, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to teach you what the Bible teaches. How many of people, how many of you think God was really happy with the people of Jerusalem? When, when, he, when, he, when the announcement came, hey, how many of you think that star went away? Well, I, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the wise men, they just went, well, I don't know where the star went. Well, let's go over here to Jerusalem and ask some people. How many of you think that was by design or by accident? How many of you think God says, I'm just going to take away the star, I'm going to send the Jews, the guys over there, and they're going to ask this question of Herod and, and, and the people there. How many of you think God did that to maybe stir up in their hearts about this Christ child? It's by design, folks. God doesn't keep secrets to send people to hell. Secrets are kept from people because they don't want to know the truth. Don't you know that the Bible says, he says that in John chapter 3, he said, men love darkness rather than light. It's not bent because you say, well, I just don't know. It's because you assume that if you know what this Bible says, you might be your life is going to have to change and you're going to have to be different than what you want to be. And so you say, I just assume be in darkness. Nobody will verbalize that. But that's what happens. The secret of the Lord. The idea, first of all, is to fear. When you have a healthy, godly fear, you begin to seek and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And by the by, and I'll say it again: don't have to just take my word for it. You take anybody that is really knowledgeable of the Bible, anybody in this 
in this auditorium than you that knows the word of God. And I promise you, they will guide you into salvation. What the Bible says about being saved. The shepherds were given the knowledge. And notice what they do in chapter 2 in verses 9 through 15. Chapter 2, 9 through 15, it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Again, here that fear again, right? And the angel said unto them, Fear not. And God says, Listen, I, I, you got good. That's, I'm glad you should have done right. They had a healthy fear, but he said, Don't fear. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Guess what? He gave them some knowledge. They had some fear. He gave them some knowledge. And he says, I'm going to give you a sign. And they responded to that in the proper way. It says, and you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. Did they just run and hide and say, no, I, I don't want to hear about that? What did they do? The Bible says that they did what? It says that. In verse number 15, and it came to pass when the angels had gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go and even unto Bethlehem. Instead of running the opposite direction, they did what? Said, we're going to go find out about this. That's proper use of fear. Remember what fear does. It's the idea there that it's a blessing realized is in that that God wants you to know. We have the blessing of that living secret unfolded in the, in the person of, of Anna. Look at Anna in verse number 37. What did she do? She was a widow of four score and four years and departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Blessing of a living secret. You say, well, how did it, why is it that Anna knew and not everybody else was out there? How many think that Anna was, was really respected by everybody around her? I doubt it. I thought, this old lady, she never goes home. Right? She's kind of a kook. I mean, she just prays and she just fasts and she just carries on like, uh, nobody else does that around here, but Anna did. Guess who got to know the secret? Come on. Who got to know the secret? Anna did. God damn revealed it unto her. Everybody else thought she was a kook. Look and look, take your Bible. You say you think, well, no. Look what the Bible says. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter number one. Look what it says here. Verse number twenty six. For you see your calling, brother, not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty men, and not many noble are called. But God, verse 27, but God has chosen what? The foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. Was, was Anna chosen by God? Why? Because she had a, she had a walk with God. She said, I don't mind praying and I don't mind spending my life in, in, in service of the Lord. She served God in fasting and prayers day and night. 
Doesn't that what the Bible says in John 14, what I've been preaching on? If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall what? Ask what you will, and it shall be done. God says, I'm going to show you something, Anna. Not everybody gets to know this, but I'm going to show you because you really want to know. How many of you think God is still in the business of showing people things? Showing things that maybe He doesn't show everybody, but because you really want to know and you serve God with fasting and prayers night and day. I promise you, God hasn't changed. What do you think about Simeon? Look back in Luke chapter number 2. Simeon, in verse number 25. Behold, there was... <coughs> A man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, if you want to know, and even if you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you. He was a devout man. That's a nice thing to say about somebody, by the way. I like for somebody to call me devout. Devout man, yielding a solemn, reverential attention to God in religious exercises, particularly in prayer. You hear that? Was Simeon a praying man? How many think that Simeon was abiding with the Lord? I believe he was. <clears throat> Pious, devoted to religious, to religion and religious. Simeon was a just man. Who else was called just? Remember, remember that man called Stephen? Remember Stephen? He was also called what? And the people that said, you know what? Stephen didn't deserve this. And they went and grabbed Stephen out of the rock pile that he'd just been stoned with. And they called them devout men. Men that prayed say, you know what? Stephen didn't deserve this. We're going to do a proper burial of this man. So we have Simeon. He not only was devout, he was just. The primary sense is probably straight or close from being the sense of setting or erecting or extending. But listen, the moral sense, upright, honest, having principles of rectitude, conforming exactly to the laws and principles of rectitude and social conduct, equitable and distribution of justice as a just judge. In the evangelical sense, righteous, religious. Influenced by the regard to the laws of God and living in exact conformity to divine will. He was a just man. You say, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm saying that, listen, the secret is with a few select people. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, Anna, Simeon, the wise men. But guess what? His secret was also revealed to Herod. Was Herod a just man? Was he? No, he wasn't. How about all the people in Jerusalem that got, got afraid but didn't do anything? Did they get to know the secret of God? They could have. Had an opportunity. But did what did they do with it? I'm speaking on the idea of revival. I'm not just speaking to people that are lost and maybe not uh, have no assurance of where they're going to go. I'm talking about people like me and people like you. 
That we need to, we not just want to hear a Christmas, a nice little Christmas story about uh, Jesus coming and the shepherds uh, uh, hearing the angels singing and singing a few hark the herald angels singing and uh, and uh, the baby in the manger. We're talking about revival. We're talking about God doing a work in our lives and changing us to be like Anna or Simeon or even the shepherds. The secret is that we're to know the revealed scriptures. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter number 29. The secret is, is that there is no secret. <clears throat> we love darkness rather than light. That's the, that's, the, that's the dilemma we're in. God has revealed himself to us through the word of God. And if we are ignorant of the word, it's not God's fault. When we study to show ourselves approved unto God, we show that we love Him and want to serve Him and want to know Him. Deuteronomy chapter number 29. I'll get there. Chapter number 29, verse 29. It's talking about the children of Israel. I want to start back a little bit. It's talking about when we forsake the Lord. I'm going to break into it in verse number 25. Then men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their father... Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, for they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, whom he had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the land to bring them upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and wrath and great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. What's it say? The secret of the things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto who? They belong to us. You say, Pastor, what things are revealed? Come on. This belongs to us. If you're ignorant of it, whose fault is it? He says that the secret things belong to us, but the things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, and we may do all the words of this law. You, you, Brother Oscar's in here, and I know he's doing his dead level best on Wednesday night to encourage and motivate and share with us how to learn the Bible. Now, he says if you say it 25 times consistently, whatever verse you pick, you'll have it registered in your heart. Isn't that exciting? You could have the Bible written in your hearts. The truth written in your hearts. The secrets of God written in your hearts. So when God is doing something in our midst, we know it. We'd see it. We'd recognize it. We'd appreciate it. We'd say, 
Bless God what he's doing. The shepherds and the angels said, hey, we've got to go over and see this thing. Well, if they didn't know what the Bible was talking about, they'd have been scared dead and ran the other way. I don't want to be like that. Do you want to be like that? I don't want to be like that. I want to know what God is doing in my life and in the life of this church. Look in Psalm 25. I'm just giving you some things from the Scriptures, folks. You say, what do you, what do you want? I, I say, I want you and I to be revived. I believe God, just like the, we, we looked at that hymn this morning, God doesn't intend for us to remain in darkness. I wish I had, there's, four, there's 22 verses in here. I wish I had time to read them all. I'm going to just read a few. The Psalm of David. Sweet psalmist of Israel. We'll read verse number one. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Look in verse number ten. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, and unto such that keep his covenant and his testimonies. I like that. How about verse number twelve? The man is he who that feareth the Lord. Him shall he teach in his ways shall he choose. That's a proper fear, isn't it? Motivated to, to, to draw closer to God. Look in verse 14. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is within that what? Fear him. The secret of the Lord is within the fear him. will show him his covenant. How many of you think Anna feared God? How many of you think Simeon feared God? How about shepherds? How about Joseph? How about Mary? How about those prophets that prophesied of Christ's coming? They all feared God. And that motivated them to God draw near to God. An experience as we talk about today. For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth, not just, not just believe that he was in a manger, not just believe that he came into this world, but put their faith in him and his finished work. Said, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. Sweet psalmist of Israel, David, in verse 14, was one that feared him. One more <clears throat> verse. We see in verse number 20. Verse number 21. He says, Let the integrity of the upright what? Preserve me, for I wait on thee. See, God is. God doesn't keep secrets. How many believe God doesn't keep secrets? He's revealed himself. He wants everybody to know. The secrets. And the reason there's secrets, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Psalm 31, this is the biggest and chief reason I believe that there are secrets. You look at Psalm 31, you'll look in verse number 9 and 10. Again, this is the sweet psalmist of Israel. Did David was David a sinless man? Was he? Did David do some grievous things in his life? Yes, he did. 
but was David looked up to as a man of God? Yes, he was. Was what separated David from every other sinner? Remember? Look in verse number 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. He said, have mercy on him. Why? Why would anybody ask for somebody to have mercy on him? Because they fall short. Did David knew that he fell short of the glory of God? Did he knew that he needed to come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for this and this and this and this. And God says, no problem, David. I'm in the business of forgiving people. And God did. Look on verse number 16. Make thy face to shine upon thy servants. Save me for my mercy's sake. Did David say, save me because I'm a good person? He says, save me because you're in the saving business. Save me even though I fail. God, save me. Look in verse number uh, 20. Thou shalt hide them in secret of the presence of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in the pavilion from the strife of tongues. Here we have the Lord revealing the idea that God will hide us from his pride, our pride. Instead of hiding himself, he hides us from our sin. He says, listen, I don't know how about you, but I, one thing God is in reviving me lately is showing me my sin. And then trying to find a way to hide me from my pride to keep me in my sin. You know, pride says I don't have any sin. Pride says I'm not that bad a person. Pride says I'm, going, I'm okay with God. I'm, I don't need to do all that you guys say that we need to do. I'm right. David says, hide me from my pride. Lastly, in verse 22, take time, I wish you would, to read this. He said, for, for, I said in my, for I said in my haste, I'm cut off before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I what? Cry. Come on, what is crying unto God? Help me out. Give me one word for it. Prayer. What has been the emphasis that we've been talking about? Abiding in Christ. Never ceasing in prayer. Memorizing the scripture. You put those two together, you are in a position where there's not going to be a secret in your life. You're going to know everything that God has for you, for your family, and for your church. Does that sound like revival to you? Does that sound like God working in a miraculous way in our age when nobody seems to know what God is doing in this world? But you do. And you're confounding the wise. God has revealed them unto what? Simple people like you and me. All because we just take God at His word and say, God, you're not keeping secrets from me. You want me to know as much about you as possible. I want to close this up, but I want to use a couple examples if I can. First of all, look at the testimony of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 2. 
Daniel chapter number 2. I don't want you to come to church on any Sundays, and maybe even more particularly on, a, on this special day. We commemorate in a special way the Lord's coming, and what He wants to accomplish, and what He wills for you and me. <clears throat> and I don't want to, I have, I am convinced, I am sincerely convinced as a pastor, as a Christian, as a brother in the Lord, I don't know how to say this, I'm convinced. Today is what, the 20th? 21st. 21st day of December. 2014. I'm convinced this day will be written down in infamy for some. What do you mean, Pastor? That God will bring back to your memory this day. Whether you're a Christian that's kind of backsliding, or with somebody that says, I think I'm okay, but you're not, God will say, Yeah, you remember, you remember that day that silly old Pastor Keysdale got up in uh, Garfield Ridge Baptist Church. Remember that day uh, he was talking about on the 21st of December, uh, back in 2014, when he talked about this idea that God doesn't keep any secrets. You remember that day? You remember that day that God says, I want to save you? You remember that day that God says, I want to revive you? You remember that day? He said, well, I don't remember. I was, there was a lot of days I went to church. Well, you remember that day he talked about secrets? You remember that day he's talking about the Lord coming and, and how he loved the, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and how the, uh, that only the shepherds knew it and only Mary and Joseph knew it and Simeon and Anna knew it and, and uh, a few select folks that knew it. And, and he says, you know, you know, I wanted you to know it too. I wanted you to know about that secret. I wanted you to see the secret that David had, Moses had, Paul had. I wanted you to see those secrets those people had. Look in Daniel chapter number 2. The testimony of a Christian. The Bible says in verse 19, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of the God forever and ever, for the wisdom and miter is his. He changeth the times and the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and in the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God, that thou, thou O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what is desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Let's look at another one. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 36. And he says, what? This is the dream. And he will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Is God in the business of showing secrets? Yeah. 
Should anybody in this room be in darkness? Should everybody know what it means to be a Christian? Should everybody have the opportunity to go to heaven? Should every Christian be able to be revived? Have a new life? A secret life? A powerful life? As we close, let me read you a couple of verses. The secret of the Lord is is something that I think that we can have and should have. You don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read a couple from you. Matthew 6 and verse 4. He says, Thine alms may be in secret. That thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee what? Open. I like that. Serving God in secret. Verse 6 of the same chapter. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou shut the door, pray to thy father which is what? Secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall what? Reward the open. I like that. It's a secret place. The only secret that it is is the relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. Nobody knows it but you. Isn't that nice? I mean, the world can be falling down around us, but listen, you have a walk with God and you know... That God has shown you Himself. Last verse. Psalm 91. And verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress and my God, and Him will I trust. Surely shall he, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terrors by night or by the arrows that fly by day, nor pestilence that walketh in the darkness nor of the destruction that wasteth at the noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. Only with thine eye shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh unto thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he has set his love upon what? Me. Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will he deliver him 
I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will be deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Isn't that a nice promise? So we take what is to be revealed to us and we respond to us. And the secret things are known. But what happens? Then we now have a secret life with the Lord Jesus Christ. A very special life. It doesn't have to be known by anybody else, but you know. You say, what are you, what are you getting at this morning? I say, listen, this is the season where, where we're to be revived. This is a season where, wow, we're not getting excited because we have a green Christmas tree in our, in our house. We're not getting excited because there's a bunch of gifts around there that some of them are for me. Or maybe I'm going to give for somebody else. We're not excited because the world's excited. We're excited because God has revealed himself to me. And God is still wanting to reveal himself to you and to others. Let's sing that song in. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. Let each soul be rekindled from fire from above. Now listen, if that's not you, what's this altar for? What's this altar for? Is it for show? Or is it for the secret? Is this altar for people to say, Pastor, I'm coming down because I heard you this morning and I'm not sure what I need to do. And you're asking them, I want God to reveal himself to me. I don't want Jesus to be a secret to me. I want to know for sure about my salvation. You're saying, please, I don't care what anybody thinks. I need to know. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I need to be revived, Pastor. I really want to be revived. I want Christ coming to be as real to me as it was to the shepherds, as it was to Simeon, as it was to Anna or Joseph or Mary or the wise men. I don't want to be like the people in Jerusalem. I don't want to be like Herod. I fear the wrong thing. Let's stand as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, you have revealed yourself as explicitly as possible to us. You've given us everything that we need to know. You've given us your word. You said you'd give us your Holy Spirit to draw all men to you. Father, the only secret is, is our sin. 